Good morning. Let's stand together as we worship the Lord through song, emphasizing God's amazing love. How can that be? That's our God. Let's sing about it this morning. joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. Ladies, there is a church bridal shower planned for Kayla Bean this coming Saturday, July 29th from 10 a.m. to noon. Please plan to come. Encourage Kayla as she prepares to embark on this next exciting phase of her life. Our next flow meeting, the Future Leaders of Wixom, is this Monday evening, July 24th at 7 p.m. in the link. This meeting is for young men interested in serving their church in a leadership capacity someday. Teen boys and young adult men are encouraged to attend these important meetings in which biblical and practical issues will be discussed. Snacks will be provided. Please plan to stay for our quarterly member meeting after the worship gathering on July 30th. We will be celebrating God's blessings on FBC and looking at practical things that we can invest in for the future. More information will be available in the link soon. Our missionaries to Uruguay, John and Mickey Rafael, will be with us on Sunday, July 30th for a brief update on their work. Please come ready to bless the Rafaels with a love offering and encourage them as they continue to faithfully reach souls in South America. Mark your calendar now for the church campout on August 18th through the 20th. Please see Pastor Brad if you are interested in leading this activity. 
Community groups continue tonight at 6 p.m. If you are not yet connected with the Sunday p.m. community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet in homes on most Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. In just a few minutes, we'll be dismissing children four years to the third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more info about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center on your way out for a special gift after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you this morning and to, to gather together for worship today. Uh, congratulations are in order. Yesterday, our men's softball team finished up their season, and they were the regular season champs. So if you know any of those guys, congratulate them. And uh, if you're interested in the future, you didn't know that we had a, a group of guys that play softball together. If you're interested in that, Matt Gibbs kind of heads that up. And so if you have questions about that, you can see Matt. Uh, but congratulations to you guys. It is so good to be together with you this morning. So looking forward to the message from the Word and a time of communion together today. And we're so grateful that you're here with us. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin this morning. Father, thank you for your many blessings to us. Thank you for the church, your creation, and the bride of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that because of Jesus... We can gather together for a purpose and with a direction, with a head. And Lord, we have a, a focus to what we're doing today, and that is to lift up Jesus and to honor him with all that we do and say. Thank you for your amazing love that was demonstrated on the cross. Thank you for loving us enough to deal with our sin problem for us. Lord, we're We're so helpless and hopeless without you. But your love shined through in an amazing way on the cross. And today we celebrate that as we sing, as we consider the truth of your word, and as we enjoy communion together today. May we lift up Jesus and celebrate his love. Thank you for the privilege of gathering. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, continue to sing about our amazing God and his wonderful love for us. How deep the Father's love.
of those verses emphasizing the fact that there is nothing that you and I could offer an amazing, loving, heavenly Father. And yet He demonstrates His love for us so freely, so graciously, through Jesus Christ. And as we sing about that amazing love for us, we're reminded through His death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel impacts our life at the moment of salvation, but continues to impact it for eternity. The fact that he will always hold us in his wonderful, loving hand. He will hold us fast. Let's sing this out together. our Savior. Great singing. You can be seen.
Thank you for that, Dan. The music this morning was beautiful, reminding us of God's incredible love. We want to talk about that this morning from Psalm 138. So I invite you to take your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 138. We've been in a series of messages that we've entitled Albums of Worship, and I've explained to you that this is really a study in theology and Theology asks a couple of questions. First of all, who is God? What is he like? What is his character? But then secondly, how should I respond to that? How do I respond to the character of God? And we've been saying the last several weeks in a row that this is so important. We must get this right. If your theology is wrong, your life will be wrong. And if a church's theology is wrong, the church will be wrong. And so that means that what we're doing right now, today, is crucially important to the health of the church. Because we are looking at the view of God from Scripture. Who is God? Uh, Humans have this uncanny ability of making an imaginary God into their own image or what they want Him to be. But our purpose today is to look into Scripture and say, who is God really? And what should I do in response to his character? We want to know him better. We want to know him more personally so that we can worship him better and in turn live the lives that he has planned for us both both now and for eternity. So this morning we're looking at a characteristic of God that we've been singing about and talking about already And that is that our God is loving. Our God is loving. This characteristic of God is perhaps the simplest one informationally. And by that I mean if you just ask somebody, what is God like? Most people, whether they're believers or not, they might not know anything about the Bible. Most people would say, well, I think somewhere it says that God is love. So informationally, this is quite simple. Which probably is why this characteristic of God is often most taken for granted. We just assume the love of God. Certainly believers assume the love of God. But at the same time, this characteristic of God, I think you could argue, is the most important one. This is the most profound. This is the deepest. This is the most meaningful. This one matters to the church, perhaps, The most that our God is loving. And here's why it matters. Because biblical love is a motivator. It's not a feeling. It's a motivator. It causes God to do some things. And and you know this about really any kind of deep love, whether it's biblical or not. But a deep-rooted love is a powerful motivator, even more than fear. Fear can make people do pretty incredible things, but it can't make people do what love does. For instance, love could make a mother run into a burning house to save a child. Love would do that. Love will cause a father to sacrifice his career advancement for his children. Love will motivate pet owners to spend thousands of dollars so their pet can live a few more years. That's crazy. Love will cause young men to do all kinds of nutty things for a girl, right? Love is a powerful motivator. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you've got faith, hope, and love. These are the big three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. The greatest of these is love. If you have someone that truly loves you, truly loves you, you have a lot. And so today, we want to talk about the loving kindness of God, this deep-rooted, powerful, and meaningful characteristic of our God. Psalm 138 is where we're at. Would you follow along as I read? Here's what the words of God say. Psalm 138, this is a psalm of David. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods, or before anything else that I'm tempted to worship, Lord. I will sing praise to you. I will worship toward thy holy temple. I will praise thy name, For thy loving kindness. This is the first time in this passage that word shows up. And for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. 
In the day when I cried, and uh, thou answerest me, and strengthened me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off, for he holds at a distance. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, it's the same word as in verse 2, thy loving kindness. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine hands. Let's pray together. Father, as we enter into your presence and as we consider your word, we are amazed at what these verses tell us. That you have honored your word above your name. You've magnified it above your very name. We don't understand fully what that means, but we know that your word is powerful. It is life-giving. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It has the ability to create the universe. Your word changes lives. And this morning, we open it. And this morning, we seek to understand it. And we ask that you would nourish us with it. Lord, as newborn babies, we desire this, the sincere milk, the nutrition that your word brings us, that we might grow thereby, that we might be more like our Savior, Jesus. And so would you please help us to take your word seriously today, and would you help it to change us? Thank you that your word promises it has the ability to wash our minds. It has the ability to give us life. And so today, help us to take it in, And embrace it personally as we feast on your word, on your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see, first of all, in this passage, David's commitment to praise. We've defined that word praise as meaning to applaud God. And I've challenged you, when you enter into this room, that you should enter with that attitude. We should always have an attitude of praise and worship, right? But when we come in here... Especially when we know we're talking about theology today as a people. And I walk in and I see the communion table set and I hear the music. Literally, the attitude of my heart should be, what a great God. I, I can't believe how awesome God is. I can't believe I get to sing about his love. I want to applaud God's greatness today. And specifically this idea of love. This word in your Old Testament, this Hebrew word, is the word hesed. It is steadfast love or unfailing love. It's actually translated most often as mercy. Mercy. And the reason it's translated as mercy is because hesed, this, this love, is an active love. It does something. It doesn't just feel loving. It actually shows pity. It has action behind it. Sometimes it's translated as loving kindness. It's kindness motivated by love. You might say it this way, that a good definition of hesed would be an unwavering commitment to kind action. This is God's love. An unwavering commitment to kind action. And as I mentioned as we were reading, it is found in verse 2. It is also found in verse 8. This is the primary theme of this psalm of David. And David says, I want to applaud something today. I want to applaud God's loving kindness, his hesed. What's amazing about this characteristic of God is it is central to his character. In fact, John said in 1 John chapter 4, God is love. He is love. It is central to his character Um, In the New Testament, we read this word agape, often translated, at least in the Old English, as charity. It's the same idea. It's it's meaning of action or merciful action out of an inward love. It, It comes out of God naturally. It's sort of like God has created some of his creatures with instincts, right? My my. 
dog Lolly has a weird instinct, and that is to bury a bone. But there's really no good place to bury it, right? So if we give her a bone, she wanders around the house and she takes her nose and she does this on pillows and blankets and in the closet and everywhere until she finds a good place to set that bone. It doesn't make any sense. It's just built into her to bury it, to hide it. God has this characteristic of love that is just in, we might say, in his DNA. It is who he is. He is love. It's what he does. And it compels him to do some things. And I just want you to see in the remainder of this psalm, there's two things that God is compelled to do because of love. And they are awesome because they're gospel focused. It's just amazing how scripture works together hand in hand here with the gospel of Jesus. But I want you to see, first of all, his love compels him to give us his truth. His love compels him to give us his truth. Now, we know these two things go together, right? Truth and love go together. In fact, in Ephesians, we're told to do what? Speak the truth in what? In love. John in 1 John 1, 3 says to the church, Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. The two go together, truth and love. And we know this, right? If you really love someone, you tell them the truth, but you don't clobber them with it. Are you with me? If you really love someone, you tell them the truth, but you don't clobber them with it. You tell them with love. These things go together. When you love, you tell the truth, but when you love, you tell the truth with love. And this is how God expresses his loving kindness. He does so with his truth. Look at verse 2. I'm praising you, David says, for, my, for your loving kindness and for your truth, your faithfulness, your reliability. And then he says something that might surprise us. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. David says, look, Lord, you demonstrate your love by giving us your truth. You didn't have to give us your truth, but you do. You demonstrate your love. Now think about that for just a second in terms of your Bible. Have you ever thought about your Bible that way? Like this is a physical representation of the love of God. It's a love letter from God. It tells me who he is. It tells me how to know his son Jesus. It tells me how to have forgiveness. It tells me how to have eternal life. This is a love letter from God, a physical representation of his love. This is what David is saying I want you to just see a couple of specifics here. Verse number three, he answers those that call out to him. In the day I cried, David said, you answered me. In Psalm 119, he says it this way, that God hears our voice according to his loving kindness. He loves us and so he listens to us and he hears us when we cry, when we call out to him. Have you ever tried to reach somebody and get ignored? You got ghosted, right? What do, what do you think when you get ghosted? Does anybody else's imagination run wild? Right? Like, oh, they hate me. Yeah, I'm sure they hate me. I just sent them a second text and I haven't heard from them. Oh, they must hate me. What did I do? Right? Our imagination runs wild. With God, can I just tell you that he always answers He always answers. He's given us his word, his love letter. He is, as David said, he's faithful to answer us. He never ghosts us. Verse three, verse four, his word brings joy and praise. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. His words are refreshing and life-giving, and he wants his children to benefit from them. And can I just ask you a question this morning? Do you benefit from the word? Are you prioritizing the word? Are you reading and meditating and memorizing the word? I'm sometimes surprised by Christians who are not taking in the word in large doses and they feel spiritually weak or confused or they don't have joy or they've lost their song and they don't know why. 
You need to be in the word. And can I just tell you this morning, just on a practical level, if there's nothing else you get today, can I just remind you to get into the word? It is God's love letter to you. You should be reading it. You should be meditating on it. You should be memorizing it. And if you're not, you're, you're harming yourself spiritually. You're weak spiritually. The word, it brings strength to our soul It brings joy to our heart. Verse number five, his words bring music to our mouth. Yea, he says, because of your word, they will sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Now, all of these benefits of the word, all these benefits of truth come to us because of God's love. They're all motivated by God's love. So when we sing this morning, amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? That was one demonstration of his love. But his word is another demonstration of his love. And it's amazing that he would love us enough to communicate with us. Through creation, through his word. Think about the communication of of Jesus Christ. Hebrews says this, God, at different times, in different manners, spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son. He actually gave us Jesus, the living word, his truth, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. God has given us his truth in Jesus. Now here's the, here's the amazing thing, think with me for just a second, here's the amazing thing about love and truth side by side. What does God often get criticized for? Think about it. What does God get criticized for? How, you might talk to an unbeliever and they might ask this question, how could a loving God, right? He gets criticized for his love. Or, you might believe the Bible, but I don't believe the Bible. I got my own truth, right? God gets criticized for his love. He gets doubted for his truth. And yet, this is actually the foundation of the gospel. Let me give you the foundation of the gospel. Here's a truth that's hard to swallow. You ready? Here it is. You're a sinner. And God is holy. That's a, that's a truth that's hard to swallow, right? But that is the foundational truth of the gospel. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He is of holier eyes than to behold evil, the word says. That's a powerful and difficult truth. But when you put that truth next to this next statement, you see how truth and love work together. Here's what love says. God says, I love you enough to deal with that for you. I'll take care of your sin problem. I got a plan. My son will die for your sin. You see how truth and love, they work together? The truth is difficult. You're a sinner. But God, out of his love, has dealt with that difficult truth. And that really brings us to the second point in this passage, that God's love compels him to give us his pity. To give us his pity. We probably use that word just a little bit differently, but the idea of that pity is that his love compels him to action. He does something about our problem. David said in Psalm 36, How excellent is your loving kindness, O God, therefore, the children of men will trust in you because of your loving kindness, because you do something about our condition, about our problem. We will trust in you. Notice what David says here in verse six. He pays attention to the lowly, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. Those who confess, those who are broken, those who realize their need for him. In verse number seven, he revives the troubled. Though I walk in the midst of trouble because of your love, you will revive me. David said in Psalm 119, quicken me after your loving kindness or according to your love. Verse number seven, he saves the oppressed. He saves the oppressed. Verse number eight, he completes his plans in his children. This is a New Testament concept, right? That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. God, because of his love, completes his plans in his children. And lastly, verse number eight, he never forsakes his work of love. Thy mercy, thy loving kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not, or you will not forsake 
the works of your hands. We sang about this this morning, but Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. What a powerful passage about the love of God. You remember what it says? I am persuaded, I am convinced that nothing, not death, not life, not angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He will, as the song says, do what? Hold me fast. He'll hold me fast. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's what David is saying. David, you can just imagine, he's sitting down and he's writing his thoughts and he says, Lord, today I want to praise you for something. I want to praise you for your love. It never goes away. It's unfailing. It's steadfast. It's demonstrated in your mercy. I want to praise you for your love. And I want to thank you, Lord, that your love gives me your truth, your word. And it gives me your pity. It deals with my problems. You reach out to the lowly. You solve the sin problem for the penitent. So let's just think about a couple of conclusions this morning number one do you actively praise god for his love do you actively praise god for his love husbands let me ask you a question do you love your wives nod your head if you love your wife okay did you tell her that today like most wives don't agree unless they actually heard it Are you with me? Like it should go from your heart to your lips. Like, honey, I I love you. I try to act out of love for you, but I actually want to express it to you. All right, so this is this is actually what David is doing here. He is moving the praise out of his heart and onto his lips. Psalm sixty three actually said this because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Not my heart, not my mind, not my soul, not my will, my lips. I'm actually going to say, I'm so thankful for God's love. Do you do that? Do you actually express it? Do you actually say you appreciate God's love? David says here, Psalm 63, that it is better than life. I would rather be loved by God than have life. It is better than life, and so my lips will praise thee. That's number one. Number two, are you consciously paying attention to his love? Like, do you, do you realize God loves you? You are loved deeply, completely, and faithfully by God. Don't forget that. In Psalm 143, it says this, Lord, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. Help me to hear it. In fact, I think this is a good way for us to pray for one another. Lord, you love my brother or my sister that's going through a hard time. You, you love them. We all agree. Would you help them to hear it? Would you help them to feel it? Would you help them to know your love? Remember, Paul prayed that for the church, that you would know the love of God that passes understanding. That you would understand it. That you would feel it deeply Are you consciously paying attention to his love for you? Do you praise him with your lips? And then thirdly, have you participated in the greatest gift of his love? Let me share with you just really quickly. If I if if I lost you or you started to take a nap, can you come back with me just a second? Because this is the most important thing I can share with you. That there's there's some hard truths in scripture that sometimes People either don't know or maybe we've heard them so many times that we've just gotten callous to them. Let me give you a couple of hard truths. Number one, I've mentioned before, you and I, we're sinners. God's holy. But secondly, there's an even harder truth, and that is that God, because of his justice, has said the wages of my sinfulness is death. I can't live in the presence of God for all eternity. So the only alternative is to be banished from his presence for all eternity in a place called hell. It's terrible news. I'm a sinner and I'm on my way to hell. But can I just tell you that God loves you and because he loves you, 
He not only tells you those truths, but he solves those problems for you. That God has solved it. Scripture says that mercy on the cross, mercy and truth kiss each other. They came together. Mercy we need to deal with the truth that I am a sinner. The love of God compels him to give us a solution, and that solution is Jesus. Let me just share a few verses with you. And maybe, believer, you would say, I could quote all those verses, Brad. Maybe you could. But I just want to show you that it was God's love that motivated him to save you. It was God's love. And if for nothing else, I want you to bask in it and applaud it and praise God for his love this morning. Think about these truths. John 3.16 For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says, you are my Friends, I'm about to lay down my life for you. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who did what? He loved me, and he gave himself for me. Ephesians 5.2, walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. 1 John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, that He laid down His life for us. John's actually saying, like you and I, we cannot understand the love of God apart from the cross. You look at the cross, you're like, oh, that makes sense. I can perceive it. It's obvious he laid down his life for us. 1 John 4, verse 9, in this was manifest or made obvious the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment, the propitiation for our sins. His revelation, chapter 1 As John is opening his letter of revelation, he's talking about Jesus Christ and he describes him in verse number five as the faithful witness, the first begotten from the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. The love of God. It is demonstrated most clearly in Jesus Christ's death. And the question is, have you participated? Have you participated? This morning, we're going to share testimony with one another in communion. I participate. I'm in Jesus and Jesus in me. And I, because of him, have died to self and I've died to sin and I've been raised to new life. Have you received his gift of life? David says here in our passage in verse 6, that God has respect to the lowly, to the contrite, to the repentant. Jesus said in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you said, I agree with you, God. I'm a sinner. I fall so far short of your glory. I'm like a, An archer shooting at a target that's a mile away. I can't get there. There's no way for me to achieve your standard. I come to you repentant. I come broken. I come wounded. I come sinful and I need your love to forgive me. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you responded to God's love that way? The ultimate truth is that you're a sinner and you're on your way to death, but God solved that for you. His son died for you, but you must receive it, that gift. Last Sunday morning, it was such a blessing. Remember watching Josh and Sarah be baptized? 
Josh's testimony as he was sharing about Mr. Crowder giving him the gospel through the exchange. Um, When we were visiting our missionaries in Germany, they were excited to have a couple of people starting the exchange. They have a young man in their church who's an unbeliever uh, from Iraq, I believe, who's an English speaker, who's going through the exchange this week. And Dan was so excited to to be able to share the gospel with this person on the from the other side of the globe in Germany as an immigrant to be able to share the gospel through the exchange. But there's something in the exchange that I just want to show you just really quickly. I've showed this to you before, but if you just look at the two records that are listed here and you look at Jesus' record, notice how good Jesus is. He's 100% holy, 100% just. He's accepted in heaven. He can walk right in, right? Jesus' qualifications are not questioned in heaven. He is the prince. He is the king. He's the Lord of lords. He's the, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He is the only one who is worthy. You with me? He is worthy. It's like, like when Jesus, imagine with me, if he physically walks in the gates of heaven, it is Jesus to whom all of the creatures turn and say, he's worthy. There's the worthy one right there. That's Jesus. Holy, unblameable, accepted, just, worthy. That's Jesus. And then on the other side, there's us. I put my name there, but you could put your name there. I'm a liar. I'm a stealer. I'm covetous. I'm alienated from God. Right? In fact, James tells us that we only have to sin one time to be guilty of the whole law, which means you could put in there murder, adultery, worshiping other gods, taking God's name in vain. Right? All of those things are on my account. I am guilty. And can I just tell you, you are guilty. You're guilty. This is the reality that we're dealing with. And so when God looks at my life, Before Christ, he says, you're not worthy. You're not welcome. You don't get to live in heaven with me because I'm holy. I'm perfect. I can't have you in my sight. If you're in my sight, I'm no longer holy and perfect. So you got to go. You're banished from heaven. This is our record. We are lawbreakers. And Jesus' record is perfection. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus says, I'll trade places with you. I'll trade places. I'll exchange. I'll put my name over your column. That'll be me, a liar, a a thief, a covetous person, alienated from God. I'll be that person and I'll hang on the cross and the Father will turn his back on me. I'll do that for you because I love you. And then you, you can take my record, my credentials, my holiness and my justice and my acceptance into heaven so that Imagine this, I can walk into the gates of heaven and God says, you're worthy to be in my presence. Come on in, enter into the joy of your Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. Way to go. You're holy. Look at you. You got the robe of righteousness. You're pure. We both know I didn't live a perfect life, but because of Jesus and his robe of righteousness, I'm accepted. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for me. Even though Jesus knew no sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is the great exchange. I'm worthless. He's worthy. And he says, I'll trade places with you. I'll go to the cross and die as a worthless sinner for you and you will be worthy of God's presence for all eternity. What an awesome gift of his love. Now I am justified. I'm accepted. I have a home in heaven. Only the unimaginable love of God could accomplish that. Oh, how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. Poets and songwriters have tried <laughs> to write songs about the love of God. Maybe you, you remember the song, if the whole uh, sky was a parchment and the whole ocean was full of ink and I had all the time in the world to write the love of God, impossible. 
could never get it done. It is that deep. It is that powerful. It is that rich. And yet many Christians never applaud it. It never reaches their lips. Would you applaud the love of God with me today in your praise and in your worship? Thank you for watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And he loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. And the Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. And eternal life, the opportunity to live with God forever in heaven in spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin, and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want his death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.